Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. One of the key indicators of how successful your relationship will be is how high you score on emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence is defined as the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. And, And so that's what it means. And unfortunately, there are too many people who are either unaware of their emotions, don't know how to express them, or both. Now, the good news is that you can increase your emotional intelligence and, as a result, have healthier, happier, and more successful relationships. And that's what today's show is all about, and I am really excited to welcome author and speaker Catherine Chan to the show to talk about how you can do this. So, Catherine, thanks for coming on and talking about what is, I think, a universal conversation we need to be having because emotions, emotions are so tricky. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Thank you. you know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like I say that, you know, and it's like we have them. And, you know, I, when I work with my clients, it's like, you know, they don't want to feel a certain way. And it's like, well, that's nice. Quit breathing. <laughs> you know, because, like, we, we don't want to have these emotions. It's like, well, you do. So the question becomes, what do we do with them? And you wrote a piece um, that I found on the Good Men Project titled, The First Thing I Did to Start Talking About My Feelings. And the subtitle was, and I love this, is not knowing what I'm feeling a feeling. I thought that was so great because it landed for me because I deal with a lot of men who either believe that they don't have feelings or that emotions are somehow unimportant and not as useful as practical skills. And you experienced something similar growing up with Asian immigrant parents. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, I totally resonate with um, what, you, what you were talking about, how they don't believe they have feelings or that emotions are kind of the soft stuff that gets pushed to the mm-hmm. side or something that's not really important. As important as the hard skills. Um, <laughs> I grew up with um, immigrant parents. So my parents, parents came from Hong Kong in the 1970s, and um, they had us, me and my two uh, two older sisters, I'm the youngest of three. And, mm. I mean, yeah. Um, and as immigrant parents, like, we, they really, what they focused on was survival and, you know, the basic, sure. uh, the basic needs of, of, of survival, which is, like, sort of shelter and food, you know, making sure their kids had warm clothes in the winter, and that, that's what they really focused on. And a lot of that emotional stuff didn't, they weren't really taught about. And so around the dinner table, oftentimes, We'd share stories, you know, what happened during our days, you know, what happened, you know, my, my dad would often share stories about his past and, you know, things like that. But that question of, so how do you feel about it was <laughs> never discussed. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like, what do you mean how I feel? Um, what, what do you mean how I felt about it? You know, you don't feel, you just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the ha- watching the, you know, binge watching the crown and it's like, just a stiff upper lip, you just keep going. What do you mean feel, you know? <laughs> What is this about, right? 
yeah, there's no feelings. Just do, you know, just do and, and, and keep doing things and, and mm-hmm. do, no, be practical. Like that, that practical piece was what my, my parents focused on. Like they taught us everything I needed to, to, to learn about, you know, getting good grades and learning how mm-hmm. to swim, you know, learning how to ride a bike, get your, you know, um, get good grades and do well in school and, you know, make sure you, you know your English, like learn English properly so you can get a good mm-hmm. job, get to university and, you know, know how to save your money. Don't spend it all on one, you know, one fancy toy. Um, you know, and, and don't, right. money doesn't grow on trees and all that stuff. So it's like they taught me great, great skills in, in, in life, but the emotional mm-hmm. side was really neglected. And I call myself kind of emotionally, I was raised by emotionally illiterate parents. Um, mm-hmm. And then jump forward, like to now as a mom, I'm like that stuff really started surfacing. And because sure. as a mom, like, I don't want my kids to experience the similar experience that I experienced as a kid. And so then you start having conversations with my, I start having conversations with my parents, and and it's like asking to be to, to have your emotions validated was like pulling teeth for them. They mm-hmm. either didn't understand, or they would just brush you off, and then you just has zero courage to, to ask again. Right. And, and as a kid, that can be, I, and, and it's really interesting because um, what, we, what, what we know from you know, all kinds of research studies is when we're born, the only thing we have is our emotional system. We have no concrete skill-based knowledge. So, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, so it's kind of like, okay, so this is our this is the the thing we start with, yet we never actually really pay attention to it, fully develop it, and in many cases it's either ignored not through I mean not through any kind of intentional harm, right? Because in fact mm-hmm. I I love the you said your parents were emotionally illiterate. They just they just weren't taught because again that's part of certain cultures. Um, you know, we all come. We all uh, are, are, you know, come from our own experiences, and that's multiple social stuff. Um, but, but you know, we don't talk about these emotions. But children feel them, and then, and then we're like, okay, just don't talk about that over there. Just put that in the corner. So, yeah, you you said that the first step to talking about your feelings was first learning to identify them, which, you know, I ran into all the time. I ran into, um, you know, a lot of my clients, male or female, and, and I've actually run into this myself with, well, what actually is it that I'm feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's pretty obvious, but, but even, even when I know that I'm angry, and we'll talk a little bit about this later, but even when I know that I'm angry, that's not necessarily enough information. Um, so how did you go about identifying your feelings? The first thing is that I'm a writer. Like that's my, I've been a writer since I could, I could write, like put pen to paper. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm an avid journaler. And so I just kind of started doing an experiment of when I ever felt triggered, wherever I felt like either just something that made me feel bad or good, or it didn't, didn't necessarily have to be bad. I would write mm-hmm. it down, and I would write down exactly what happened, which was easy because, you know, you just, like, go, go right. fast by fast and say, oh, that guy cut me off, and then I felt, <laughs> like, I felt angry, 
I just put right. like angry and then or mm-hmm. the time would be like, oh, you know, my, my manager gave credit to someone else instead of me. And I, that made me feel angry. And so I just kind of started looking through my journal entries and I found a pattern. I was using very similar words for very different experiences. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, even though there were two very different experiences, like getting cut off versus getting, you know, someone giving credit for, for your work, there were very mm-hmm. two different situations. I was using the same words. And, um, but, but that word really helped me um, allow that emotion to lose its grip on me and gave me some uh-huh. sense of control over the situation. So that's not like, it's not just like, like in this, this, this heat that I felt in my body, but rather, okay, at least I know I'm angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's kind of like the first step that I just, just thinking of the first word that came to me whenever I felt emotionally triggered and writing right. it down. And, right, and, you know, and I mean, and, it's, and I, I don't know how many there are, but I, I realize that we're going to be talking about this in a little bit, but either there's a thought process or, or a a proposal that, that humans only really experience something like eight to ten emotions that you know, two, you know basic emotions you know love mm-hmm. joy um, sadness loneliness I don't know what throughout you know but um, and so what I'm hearing you say that starting with kind of maybe those eight to ten is a good place to start just to kind of say okay. Yeah, and I had to laugh when when you mentioned being cut off because that's you know I'm I think I have a pretty good handle on most of my anger except I still have road rage. Like stop that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people do when people do things on the road. It's like okay, yeah. I mean, yes, my my children learned to curse when they were in the car with me because I would say very not nice things to the other drivers. Um, yeah, see. and so so is that a good yeah. So is that a good place to just, I mean, because I, I will tell this to my clients, you know, I actually suggest you know, setting a, a random alarm on your phone because we all carry these wonderful things. And when the alarm goes off, go, what am I feeling? You know, and maybe with those eight or ten kind of emotions, it's like, you know, and, and but I love this, but it, what, if, what if not feeling, what if I don't know what I'm feeling is a feeling? Um, yeah. Is you know how do how do you, we get past you know I don't know what I'm feeling. I mean, I understand the journaling when you're when you're having that feeling. Of course, you know if, I, if I'm having it while I'm in road rage, it's like I can't stop and journal. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think I, I can't take out my phone and talk about it. I mean, that's the only thing I can turn on the tape recorder, you know, the tape thing on my phone. But so. You know, how do people actually even start to identify? Because he's talked about being triggered, which I understand. But, um, yeah. You know, so is that really kind of the best place to start is with what I call the harder emotions? I don't, I don't term emotions positive or negative. I term them softer or harder or easier or harder. Um, yeah. And so is it, is it, easier to start with the harder emotions, the ones that really make us feel icky, which most of us want to stay away from because they make us feel <laughs> icky. I think whatever works for the individual, I think happy, like, I mean, the, I get, I like how you're talking about the, the harder or easier emotions instead of good or bad or positive or negative. 
Um, I think it's whatever's easiest for the individual. Like for, for me, I can really feel my, I think a lot of it's also being in tune with your body and mm-hmm. feeling warm or feeling cold or just noticing the things that you do with your, with yourself. Like for me, I like to pick my fingers when I'm really nervous and anxious. And uh-huh. I didn't know that that's what I was, I didn't know that that's what I was feeling. Like it's just something mm-hmm. that I started doing since ever since I was a kid. So I'd have these bloody cuticles whenever I'd get like mm-hmm. stressed out for an exam. Um, mm-hmm. Or I'd start to pick up my, like, you know, or pick up my face or mm-hmm. uh, when I'm, I'm, so it's like kind of noticing the, the things that we do may not be necessarily a feeling, but just like little ticks that you do happen to have. Like, for example, like the, the, the driver cutting me off, I would bang my steering wheel and you can, uh-huh. and you can actually see some, sometimes you see like my, my steering wheel would have these little, these little <laughs> chunks ripped off of it. <laughs> and I didn't like, like I didn't realize that I was suffering. Mm-hmm. Like I always said to like, I'm a calm lady, you right. know. I'm like, you know, if you if you believe in the Myers Briggs, I'm an INTJ, so I'm like, I'm usually very level headed. But yet you see all these mm-hmm. like, like on my these chunks of my steering wheel that had been picked off. I'm like, oh my god, maybe I have road rage. <laughs> like I didn't. And so it's kind of like noticing the things that. Like okay. you didn't realize, and then and then and then of course asking like the people who are around you, like do you notice any? And it's obviously being vulnerable with with the, uh, yeah. the person uh-huh. you're talking to, but asking uh-huh. them like what do you notice about me? And like you know, and saying because like my husband would be like, oh you like you know you like to stomp your feet sometimes when you're angry, <laughs> or you're, you're you know something right. frustrated, like you kind of like make these these like kind of like more heavy footed, uh-huh. <laughs> and right. so that's. It could be a, a helpful, I don't know, for myself, it helped. <laughs> okay. So it, this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with author and speaker Catherine Chan about the importance of knowing how to feel and talk about your emotions. And if you find this difficult, guess what? As you're finding with two people you're listening to, you're not alone. Um, and especially if you are a man or happen to be very left-brained like I am. But not being able to access your feelings means you can't access your entire self. And this actually can cause serious problems in your relationships. So if you're interested in learning about this, I can help. And I invite you to send me an email or give me a call and schedule a free no-obligation strategy session where we can talk more about this. You can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com, or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to talking about emotions. And so, Catherine, we were talking a little bit um, earlier about the complexity of emotions, and you, you talked in your article about using Robert Kluchik's emotional wheel as an example, because you were kind of talking about that you find that you were using anger for lots of different things. And so, what is, what is the emotion wheel? How is it helpful? I think for me, because I'm like I am a writer, um, and other people may resonate with different different types of wheels. But um, Robert mm-hmm. Plutnik is the one that popularized the wheel of emotions, um, mm-hmm. and essentially, it's like it's a, 
as a circle, like a wheel, and in the center you've got your kind of the basic emotions that we have, and then as you move out, um, the emotions get more complex. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like starting in the middle and, and identifying or resonating with one of the words, and then kind of going out towards the out, like the outer circles, outer, outer rings, and kind of mm-hmm. really identifying the more of the core emotion, and, and really it could, be, it could be a string of emotions that you're feeling under that one basic emotion. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I mean, there's there's a, a viewpoint in my field that anger that anger is there are components to anger. It, it can be hurt or fear or frustration, which are all emotions. But they're you know, but so it's all kind of like with this wheel you're talking about. It it gives us. It sounds like it gives us more depth. It gives us more understanding about what's going on. So can you talk a little bit about how just taking your two examples from earlier about the being cut off in the car and then having somebody at work get credit for <laughs> something you did. How did you, you know, and, and you said you were angry about both of those. Can you talk a little bit about how you filtered through that using, you know, using the wheel to figure out yeah. what, um, what the differences were? Absolutely. Um, so for the, for getting cut off, so um, what I looked at was the anger and then I looked further out towards the outside of the circle. And I think it was more feeling like frustrated and I was feeling more just like, it's like resentful and a little bit annoyed and kind of feeling, and then it's like, Annoyed at that I couldn't control the situation because I not uh-huh. control. I was frustrated at this other person not understanding my situation that I needed to get somewhere, and then they're just trying to like bombard me and um, pr- like they're trying to inflict pain on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I was bitter. I felt bitter against them. Um, and so it's kind of it, it was it was more about just hating this other person trying to. Um, prevent me from doing something that I really wanted to do. Um, so, which okay. is very, very different than getting credit, um, not getting credit for work that I had done by a manager, because what I was actually feeling, well, yeah, I was angry that they did that, but really it, what it highlighted was my feelings of inadequacy. And I felt oh. that maybe what I had done wasn't enough for my manager to to give credit to me. That like I, I it was actually hiding an insecurity of mine, um, and you know that I wasn't. It was like it almost went down to being feeling incompetent compared to this other person. And then I started going. Then I use the word comparing, and then I go down to my childhood, and I think, wow, like that word comparing mm-hmm. was. I was constantly compared to my sisters, to other cousins, and all that stuff growing up. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah and, and then I was like, oh, my God, now I'm comparing myself to my coworker, and that's when I'm actually <laughs> feeling I'm not angry at my manager or, my, or at my coworker. I'm just feeling inadequate and confident because I feel like I'm being compared. So it's completely two different, two different um, two, uh, yeah. emotions, but same, same feeling. I felt angry, but I wasn't really. <laughs> And so, so what's, what's the benefit of going past those initial, you know, eight basic emotions into this? I mean, because it's like, okay, 
I'm, I'm actually seeing the threads here of, you know, what this, what this experience is showing to me and what this other experience is showing to me. And it's really interesting because the, the top-level emotion is the same, but when, but when there's a little bit more digging, a little bit more pulling of threads, you come up with some different outcomes. So how is that helpful? I think for me it's what's helpful is when I, I, I'm kind of black, not black and white, like I really try to see the world as great, but when I can't grasp something, when it becomes irrational, like this, this chaos, I, mm-hmm. get, I feel like I'm losing control. And so once I have a word to describe this kind of irrational, chaotic experience, it loses its grip on me. And I kind of have, I feel like I have a sense of control over the situation when, when I'm able to have a word or, a, or even like five to ten words to describe exactly how I'm feeling. And then once you have a sense of control, then you can kind of, then you can actually take over and you can actually think about the issue, think about your feelings and be able to come up with something to cope or to manage or to deal with the situation rather than kind of living in chaos. Right. Well, I mean, and that's, and that's really, I mean, and that's really interesting because I love when your example of that you, with the road rage, with the person cutting you off, that you felt out of control, you couldn't get to where you wanted to go, and talking about you know, giving words to things so it gives us a sense of control, which is really a universal thing. We, you know, we, yes. we feel safe when we understand what's going on and when we can have some kind of influence over it. Um, and in this particular case, it's influence over ourselves, just what we're feeling. What, you know, what, this, what information is this feeling trying to give me? And I love it because, you know, first you have the anger and then you're like, oh, filter it down. Here's more information. Here's more information. And it's still all feelings-based, but you're using this, facts to help you get there, which is like, yay! Um, but I want to go to something that you just said about, you know, it being irrational. And in the article, you actually say we're supposed to be irrational. And I'm going, okay, what do you mean? You know, we all want to make sense of the world. So what exactly do you mean that we're supposed to be irrational? And what's a healthy way to deal with it? <laughs> what do you think of irrational? Like, so when I think of irrational and rational, like, I think of my background, like, some math and calculus courses that I took when I was growing up, and, you know, you think of irrational, there's just not a never-ending number of numbers, and you don't know what the next number is going to be, and then the rational uh-huh. is just, like, a simple number 10 or number 25, it's just right. easy, <laughs> clean cut, right? But, like, mm-hmm. as humans, like, if you think about all our experiences and the context that we bring when we do interact with one another, or even just within our own space, like, we're just a mixed up, uh, we're like mixed up people. Like, we have all these different right. experiences depending on our parents, our genetics, our environment, social factors, the friends we made. Every choice we made up until this point shapes who we mm-hmm. are, and we have a story to, to bring to the table. And so we're not rational. We're not clean-cut number 25 or number 4. <laughs> we're like all these, like, you know, we're like pie. We're like 3.1. You know, like, and, and, and every... No, <laughs> Even every experience forward, like even right now, as I'm talking to you, I have another experience that's going to shape who I am. And mm-hmm. no one else is experiencing what we're experiencing right now. Like me and you right now, 
Um, no one's a mouse. You know, like once they listen to this, that's going to shape their their context depending on their lens and their perspective on the matter. And mm-hmm. so we're supposed to be irrational. It's it's that's who we are. We're emotional. We're, we 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 you know we act on emotion. We're we, we, we experience the joys and the lows. And, and really, once we understand them and accept it and embrace this irrationality that we are, then we can really fully experience all the emotions. And I really believe in, in feeling all the emotions because you, you really mm-hmm. don't know the good until you've experienced the bad. And mm-hmm. You don't really know the bad until you've experienced the good. And if you're right. constantly trying to numb, numb each one, but you're not celebrating your successes or you're not leaning into your, your failures and your losses, then you're kind of stuck in this numb kind of in, numb phase where everything just feels the same. Well, um, you know, and that's, yeah, that's <laughs> my argument. Well, that's kind of my argument about, you know, the perpetual search for happiness because, you know, that's a temporal feeling because, because, number one, you can't be happy all the time. And because if you were, that would just be, you, you would just reset that to neutral. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, and there is benefit. There is knowledge in the stuff that we avoid. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how many people are going to you know, resonate with the fact that, the, you know, irrationality is a good thing. Because, I mean, we do want order. This is, this is what we try to do. We categorize things. We, you know, we want things to be black and white because it's easy. We want to be number 25. We don't want to be this range of, or more importantly, we want our partner to be number 25 so I know where my partner oh, yeah. is at all moments of the day. Um, yep. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing that I want people to really understand, we're talking about this, is that when – when we open ourselves up to feeling everything, you know, positive, you know, harm, you know, hard, um, you know, the stuff we like, the stuff we don't like, there's all information in it. And, yeah. you know, and it's not anything to be scared of, and it's actually we're designed that way, which is that kind of people go, no, I don't want that to be that way. Um, and I think that... Being, giving ourselves permission, because it's not, it's not permission from the outside, but giving ourselves permission to feel this, to actually embrace what we feel, which is the, the story that you tell in this, in this article, that you kind of said, no, even though I was told as a kid, you're not, your feelings don't matter, you had them, and then you went on this journey, which, by the way, guys, it's a never-ending journey. We never get there. Um, of what do I, what do I feel? What's, what's this about? What, what information can I use from this? Um, is maybe a way to, to manage the irrationality of the world, <laughs> of our world. Yeah. You know. So that is that anywhere close to. <laughs> <laughs> to what you're talking about here? I think so. I think it's accepting. And it's like, and it's not just yourself, it's everyone. We're all humans. And it's like, we're not alone in this irrationality. You know what I mean? Like, we're all rational. We're all in the same boat. And it's okay. And as you said, I like the word permission. Like, it's giving your permission to, to be okay with it and being, giving, your permission, giving yourself permission to feel all emotions. Yeah. And, and I think... And then it becomes like, 
then you're able to accept it and you're able to be okay and be able to lean into those moments rather than drawing back and, and trying to cover up or, or be numb about it. Yeah, and, and being, being numb may be simpler, but it also, you know, <laughs> creates problems. I mean, and it, I just, it goes back to years and years and years ago. Um, I was working with a couple, and I, I asked her, I said, well, you know, what is it that you want? And the woman said to me, she goes, um, I, I never want my husband to hurt me. Now, I, first off, I mean, there was a whole love thing. I said, well, then, you, you know, it's like, that can't be because when we interact with other people, they're going to do things that make us feel good. They're going to do things that we don't like. And, you know, it's like, that's not possible because he's human. He's going to mess up. He's going to not know stuff about you. Um, when feeling hurt is information for you to pass on to him, I'm going, that's not anything that I can grant, nor do I think I would even if I could. But it's so hard. You know, yeah. it's hard when our partners let us down or when we let them down or, you know, all of this stuff. But but what I'm hearing and what I agree with is that it's important because we can't stop it. It's going to happen. It's like, okay, what do we want to do with it? Right? Mm-hmm. So this has been a wonderful conversation, and I could talk to you about this forever, but my producers are going to go, hi. So where can people learn more about you, learn more about, you know, this journey and, you know, and, and just your writing in general? Because, by the way, everybody, she's a fantastic writer. Just that oh, out thank you. <laughs> so where can they find you? So I have a blog. So my blog's name is called Some on Sleeve. So really it's to take um, like heart on sleeve. So some in chi- uh, Chinese is heart. Uh, someonsleeve.com, S-U-M-O-N-S-L-E-V-E.com. Um, I've got a podcast. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. Whatever way you want to learn more about my journey in empowering individuals to talk about their emotions despite growing up in a culture that hid them. I share um, stories that are rich with context and feelings to really help re- my readers and my audience almost self-validate what, what they're going through. Um, I talk really kind of raw and real. Like that's kind of my, my moniker, raw and real, straight to the point. Let's get down to now into the nitty-gritty nitty uh, and in tune with our emotions. Uh, no, more, you know, no more hiding under the carpet. No more covering up those things. Let's just get you know, honest and open, open and honest. And I've got a couple of books. Um, so if we do have parents who are emotionally illiterate, I've got a How to Deal with Asian Parents book, as well as a book on uh, marriage and dating. Good, because emotions are going to play out, play out in, a, in marriage and dating, guys. Trust me. So please go check this out. Because as, you know, as we've been talking about today, emotions are messy and they're often unclear. And by the way, yes, we all have them, even you. And it can take a bit of effort and energy to understand them. But if you want to experience real connection and intimacy in your life, it is so worth it. So the question would be, what would help you get started? And hopefully this show did that. And following up with Catherine's other writings will also help. So until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.